With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Warning. The show you're about to hear has been prepared by some of the best talent in the industry we could get. For the money. Do not attempt this at home. Doing so would only expose just how useless and brainless these people really are. If we didn't get him a job, he'd probably be dead. It's The Stansberry Show, Rock 106.9. Welcome to Tuesday morning on The Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. We're online for you at WRQK.com. You can find me on Facebook and the X platform at Stansberry Show. Instagram, TikTok, threads, Dan.Stansberry there. And today is, in fact, Tuesday, so at 9 a.m. we will give you New Turk Tuesday. I have new stuff from 24K Golden, an artist I don't know, but this song is called Good Intentions. Oh, another hip-hop song with that same filter where everybody sounds the same. The 21 Savage. Is it 24K Golden? Who the hell is this? You can at least understand what he's saying. I think that's helpful in songs. So we'll give you a new 24K, uh, uh, 24K Golden, I think is what his name is. Good Intentions. And then a uh, out of the country uh, world, we'll give you a new Jesse Murph. I checked five times. Her name is not Murphy. It's Jesse Murph, which feels like I'm not saying something correctly, but she's enlisted the help of Jelly Roll, pretty popular artist here. And uh, this one's called Wild Ones. Okay, so she likes the bad boys. Okay, I got it. Man, they pushed this song to multiple format stations. I'm not sure country would have been where I would have started. So we'll figure out if Jesse Murph's got a hit on her hands with Wild Ones featuring Jelly Roll. We'll get to that for New Tour Tuesday. Also, new Bring Me the Horizon Kool-Aid. I'll have to do some light reading on this before we get there at 9 o'clock on why a song's named Kool-Aid. Try to figure that out. Wow. They are pretty angry about the Kool-Aid. Not enough sugar in the Kool-Aid, I think. Homie's pissed. So give me the rest of Bring Me Horizon. Bring Me the Horizons Kool-Aid for New Tour Tuesday, that at 9 o'clock. Also, we will rock the bank with you at 9 a.m. as well. That first $1,000 keyword of the day, we will continue those all day. But I do, in fact, have the first one for you at 9 o'clock. Also, we have seen some more unsealed documents out of this Jelaine Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein case. 
More and more documents got unsealed yesterday, a couple of emails, and there is some wild accusations and then a walk back. But the walk back I don't think is accurate. I think somebody just got afraid of what they said they saw and then were like, you know what? I don't want to be, you know, offed off the side of this planet. I'm going to walk some of this back. So we'll tell you what was in those documents, who it's bad for, who it looks not so great for, and we'll get to that. We'll do it in the eight o'clock hour just a little bit. Gen Z, we talked about them a little bit yesterday because Jody Foster had kind of jumped up and down on them and kind of talked about how like they'll, you know, their emails aren't grammatically correct when they respond to her. They'll uh, text her in the morning, be like, ah, dude, I don't feel like working today. I'm not coming, right? This is talking about on film sets. Now, that whole interview, she said all of that just so she could turn around and tell Bella Thorne, you know, how much she loved her, right? And all of this stuff and to get her back and all of that. It was kind of one of those, we'll pull people in with this quote. And then really, once we got you reading the story, we're going to give you the part you're not going to like so much, right? It was kind of one of those things. And now I ran across this list yesterday and it's interesting. Socially viable, like, you know, um, uh, viable, I guess, is, is a good term to use. And uh, standards back in the day, you know, uh, that we had significant would be another term we could use here that Gen Z doesn't know about, right? That things used to be this way and now they're not. And some of these I think we may be looking to get back to. So we'll run through that list. We'll spend a little bit of the 7 o'clock hour on that. I am sitting on another set of these tickets for Sonic Temple. That kicks off May 16th, Historic Crew Stadium in Columbus, all week this morning. Well, all week on the show I'll be giving you those. But this morning, you're going to win your way into Sonic Temple at 645. Here's what's next on the Stansberry Show. So the national championship game was played last night in college football. Somebody won. But will they get to keep their title? Not so fast. Next on the Stansberry Show. He's a man of many talents, but he does not have the talent for keeping quiet. The Stansberry Show on Rock 1069. 330-450-7625 to send a text to the studio. You can use the microphone talkback button on iHeartRadio if you listen live that way. Another way to reach us as well. 9 a.m., I'll rock the bank with you. Pass out that first $1,000 keyword. So last night, Michigan basically steamrolled Washington. That game ended 34-13. Now, Michigan scores 14 in the first and 14 in the fourth. First and fourth quarter there. Washington scored three in the first. They scored a touchdown in the second. Another field goal in the third and scored zero points in the fourth quarter. Hard to win football games if you're not going to score in the fourth quarter. Right? Come out of the gate hot. Michigan looked like they did. 14. there, And then finish strong. 14 in the fourth quarter. So Michigan now your national champion. They beat Washington. And so now everybody's all up in arms again about this Connor Stallions cheating scandal. For you Michigan fans. Now every Buckeye hates me. So you're seeing a lot about this cheating scandal with Harbaugh coming back now, right? And Connor Stallions on the sideline and sign stealing is really what it was for anybody that doesn't, uh, isn't aware of what happened. Um, they were accused, and they've got records of the guy going and buying tickets and going to games, uh, of a staffer going to games and stealing the signs of opposing teams. Like, hey, look, when they do this on the sideline, you're about to see this play, right? It's kind of one of those things. Now, there's been two schools of thought on this. Uh, I've seen plenty of former athletes going, you change your signs before every big game. They learn nothing about this, right? And then the other school is, you cheated. 
Now, it's weird because the unwritten rule in sports is what exactly? If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, right? And this feels to me like one of those things that a fan base would defend their team from doing. Like, oh, well, it wasn't that big of a deal. What did we really learn? And then if it was done to you, you feel like, well, if it's not that big of a deal, then why would you do it? Right? And so it's kind of been this back and forth, back and forth thing with Michigan. As a semi-casual, we can call me, college football fan, I prefer the NFL game that much more. College is getting better about some of the scheduling. Some of the games are mattering more throughout the season. That was always my big bitch. And so they're kind of fixing some of that. And so I may turn around and find myself a really big fan of the sport over the next handful of years. Right? I like the Buckeyes. I'm not passionately a Buckeye fan. Um, I have said this forever, and I think I'm right about it, that had the Browns not been abysmal the bulk of your life, I'm not sure the Ohio State fandom would be as strong in parts of like Cleveland and Canton as it is. Would you still be a fan of the college of your home state? Yes, of course you would. And you would want them to beat anybody, and you would watch the games on Saturday, and you would do this. But I think this like dyed-in-the-wool, I'm-a-buck-nut, go-crazy has been because the lack of football on the professional level, being entertaining. I think that's why Alabama's huge in Alabama is because there's no pro team. It's their pro sport. And so when you don't have the pro sport, you run to the other version of the sport. Had the Browns been, I don't know, whoever, really good over the last 20 years, I think the Ohio State fandom is big, not as big as it sits today. I could be dead wrong about that. It is just my opinion, but it feels that way to me. Um, I might be making that about my brother a little bit. David's a buck nut, and he's kind of like uh, disheartened by what's happened with the NFL game a lot, and some of that kind of stuff. And, you know, I think a lot of people are going to feel that way about college now that these guys are getting Bentleys and million dollar checks. You know what I mean? I think people are going to change their tune on college football sometime soon. So I'm hearing a lot about the, oh, it doesn't matter that Michigan won the national championship. Doesn't matter. Because in a few weeks, they're going to vacate all these wins. And we've seen this in college sports before. We've seen people give back awards. We've seen wins vacated. We've seen, we've seen a lot. This is not new. So I think people could be right about it. I just don't understand what it is you think you're, what it is they think they're going to get. You realize every player on that team last night from Michigan, whether you vacate that win or not, knows they won that game. More importantly, every player for Washington is waking up this morning knowing they got their ass kicked and that they lost that game. Vacate it all you want. What does it do? It makes people feel better. We're going to slap you on the wrist. Okay? So my wrist is red. I won last night. By the way, we own Ohio State. (laughs) I mean, so like, I don't understand. What are they supposed to feel bad about? Plus, when every other team is pretty much outside of Ohio State and a few other Big Ten teams, when every other team in the country is like, yeah, it's kind of the way it goes, I don't think most other people are looking at Michigan and going, oh my God, cheaters. I think it's a fan base thing. I don't think other players feel cheated. I really don't. Maybe one or two. There's a lot of college football players, right? So obviously there are going to be some guys out there that fly in the face of what it is I'm saying. I don't believe the bulk of college football players think that they were cheated. And if they do, I think they think that they were cheated long before that happened. Meaning that college football kind of cares about the blue blood teams and nobody else. 
right? That's how they feel cheated. That's how they feel slighted. I'm not sure they're going to feel cheated by Connor Stallions. The problem with college football and why I'm not a huge fan of it or have not traditionally been a huge fan of it is because 90% of the time you line up against somebody else, you're that much better than they are. I've said forever, what am I showing up in week three to watch Ohio State beat nobody state by 85? Who in the hell is watching that? Why in the hell would you watch that? I've said if I was an advertiser, I would tell the network, I want all of my spots run in the first and second quarter. Because by the time they're up 70 at the end of the third quarter, most dudes are passed out on the couch and they're not going to see my insurance commercial. I want everything up front. (laughs) That's exactly what I would tell them. I don't know why they don't do that. I think that's how people are going to feel slighted. Michigan won all the games they needed to win. You can vacate it all you want. Now, once you don't give teams rings and things like that, take rings away, maybe. Okay, maybe. Maybe. But every Michigan player on that field last night knows we did the two things we needed to do to be successful this season. We beat Ohio State, and we just beat Washington for the national title. Vacate it all you want. You can beat us in the, in the paperwork. Beat us on the field is how they're thinking today. That's exactly how they're thinking today, which is why they're champions. Say what you want. That kind of mentality is why they're champions. Now, the Jim Harbaugh story is pretty interesting, too, right? Because he just won a natty. Do you leave now and go pro? I could see it both ways. I really could. Um, he's paid more than enough money to coach Michigan. Uh, I believe he went there, right? Um, he feels at home there. Jim kind of feels like a college guy to me. I said this about Urban Meyer. Um, I, I did not feel like Urban Meyer was was a NFL head coach. It's a completely different world. Um, we've seen guys with some sec with some success, sorry, but you know Pete Carroll being one of them. But plenty of players have left Pete Carroll and have said after about three years, dude, all the rah rah stuff, you kind of get over it. He's a little too collegiate, and we're pros. We make more money than him, and like all of this. And so, like, you get a little tired of Pete's rhetoric, and I think that that could happen with Jim and the pros. But players are moving around more now than ever, even in the college ranks. But you just want a natty for Michigan. You run the entire program. You run the damn school at this point. What, the sanctions maybe and some of that? Okay, that will make him run. We saw this with Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly literally ran to the NFL because of what they were about to do to Oregon because of what he was doing there. Right? We've seen that this is not the first one of these. If I'm Jim, I'm just telling you what I would do, not what I think he's going to do. If I'm him, I just hold court. I don't say anything. I don't do anything. It's like my record can speak for itself. I'm a national champion. I just won you this. I'm staying at Michigan. A lot of these NFL jobs I don't think are as good as they used to be. I really don't. And the longer you tell an NFL team no, the more desirable you become. If I were him, I would just stay right there at Michigan. The Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. I'll rock the bank with you 9 a.m. this morning. Get you that first $1,000 keyword. 330-450-7625 to send a text to the studio. We had been talking a little bit about Jim Harbaugh winning the national championship with Michigan last night. A lot of people think like that's his last game with Michigan and he'll go pro now. And, uh, of course, some of the Connor Stallion scandal, people think uh, some of these games are going to be vacated. Maybe the championship will be vacated. And I said, look, that's on the paper. Those guys know they won the game last night. They know they won all season. They know they beat Ohio State. 
They're not going to wake up after a win vacate and go, I didn't win those games. That's not what they're going to say. That's not how they're going to feel, right? And so we started talking about the future of Jim Harbaugh a little bit, you know, and I said I could see it going both ways. He feels like a college guy to me, to which a lot of people said, don't forget about the four-year run with the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Oh, I remember. Don't forget about all the drama when he went to go exit. The owner and the GM were furious besides themselves with the quirkiness, the odd nature of the meetings. And he was furious having an owner and a GM because a lot of college guys, they may have an AD, but they're running the show. And to go from having that much power to having more than enough, but not enough for you can be a hard sell for some guys. Also, why people think a lot of guys want to go pro is what? Because you view it as the top ranks of football, and it is. I think that's a fan conversation. Now, I could be wrong on this. This is my speculation. I think, I think that's a fan conversation. I don't think football guys care as much as we think. Saban looks pretty happy in Alabama. Looks pretty good at LSU. Right? Had Saban been able to have his pro quarterback, he probably would have stayed with the Dolphins. That was part of the reason why he was like, I need more. I need to go back to a place where I have more control over my roster. I need to go back. I need, I want control over what it is I'm doing. That's what I mean. Could Jim Harbaugh be successful as an NFL coach? Well, yeah, he's already done it. I don't view if you don't win the Super Bowl, you're a bum. I'm not one of those. So has Jim Harbaugh been successful at the pro ranks? I mean, he took Colin Kaepernick, a guy nobody thinks can play to a Super Bowl. He can coach. I've been defending him for, you know, since he went back to Michigan. I'm like, dude, I think this guy can coach a little bit. Ohio State fans think he sucks. It's like, dude, come on. He doesn't suck, right? But I don't see it. If, as, as a matter of fact, I think I can win everybody over on my side of this conversation right here. You take the Connor Stallions thing out of it. You think Jim Harbaugh's thinking about leaving Michigan this morning? Now, I guess you could sell it as what? Well, I did everything I needed to do at the college level. I'm ready to move on. Maybe. Or I think guys like Jim Harbaugh, Tom Brady, I feel like those guys that end up doing exactly what it is they want to do, never good enough is why they're Jim Harbaugh and Tom Brady. It ain't good enough. One's not enough. I want more. We should have beaten them by 50. That's who those guys are. There is no TGIF in those guys. None. Work is their passion. What they're doing is how they relax. That is what they want to be doing. So I don't see that. Now, another argument for Jim Harbaugh to go pro is what? His brother, John. Head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, for anybody that may not know. A lot of people feel like Jim got his title last night. John, give him about a month and he'll get his. We'll wait and see what we get there. If you tell me the Baltimore Ravens end up winning the Super Bowl, I would not be shocked by that. Not even a little bit would I be shocked by that. Is there maybe a little sibling rivalry? Like, all right, maybe let me go back here. I'd like to beat my brother in the pros, some of that. Okay, fair. I think that's a bigger conversation around the Thanksgiving dinner table than it is like I'm going to uproot my entire career just to go battle it out with my brother. You would think what they would want to do maybe do is coach together, but they're both head coaches. So you kind of have to take that off the table. I don't think any one of them is going to be like, all right, dude, I'll be your defensive coordinator. You be the head coach. That would seem strange. You don't normally see head coaches take a step back 
is if you do, it's from the pro level and they go back and they go back where? College. They may be, you know, maybe a head coach in college, maybe even a coordinator. You don't normally see that in the pro ranks. I could, this could go either way. I am not definitively sitting in here saying, what I should say is I'm not sitting in here definitively saying, that's the proper English, that, that he's, there's no way he leaves Michigan. That's not what I'm saying. I just, I don't personally see it. As a matter of fact, if you take the Stallions thing out of it, the sign-stealing thing, I don't even think it's a conversation at all, especially not this morning. I think what you, you would get is the, you know, the PC answer of, guys, we just won the national championship last night. I'm going to celebrate with my wife and kids. I'm going to take a minute to breathe. We'll get into what we're doing next when we're ready to get into what we're doing next. Now, we all know anytime somebody says anything near that, what are they really thinking? Well, of course I've thought about it. It's my damn life. But I got to say something to this nice, pretty lady who's holding this microphone in my face. So let's give her a little yada yada so I can get her the hell out of my way, right? And so, like, that's what he's going to give her there. So, yes, Jim Harbaugh could be a successful head coach in the NFL. He's already done it. But sure enough, he wore everybody out in management for all the reasons I've been talking about. He's a little quirky, a little weird, and he is an absolute control freak. He wants to run the show. That's becoming less and less popular in the NFL. People started to go to the Belichick model, take control of everything, and then after a while it was like, nah, dude, hire a really good DC to handle that side of the ball. You only focus on this. We'll get Bubba Ventrone in here to make sure we handle the special teams. Everybody stay in your own damn corner. That's kind of the way the NFL has been moving, and I'm just not sure that's what Jim Harbaugh is going to want. May 16th, Historic Crew Stadium in Columbus. Sonic Temple kicks off. It's about three days, I believe. And I'm sitting on tickets for every last damn day. Caller 15, 330-450-7625 on those. Toll free at 800-243-7625. We'll get you into Sonic Temple. And next on the program, Gen Z missed a lot. Are we going to bring some of it back for them? We'll find out next. Live from the Hall of Fame city. And just as bad as NFL officiating. The Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. Shout out to Candy Young out of Canton. She won her way into Sonic Temple. That shows May 16th to the 19th, Historic Crew Stadium in Columbus. Candy was excited about those tickets, man. And then she told me, Stansberry, you won't believe me, but I'm wearing my kiss shirt for, uh, my, my kiss shirt for good luck. You told me she was wearing her kiss shirt for good luck there. That did well for her as she won. We'll have more tickets for you tomorrow on the program. And throughout the week as well, we'll be passing out Sonic Temple tickets. I have here a list, they tell me, of significant things that Gen Z has missed out on. Now, you and I will debate how significant some of these are, and you can weigh in at 330-450-7625. That's where you can call or text. Uh, one, uh, somebody says here they missed out on the fax machine. Well, again, I mean, how significant is that going to be for somebody? Uh, they say that we still had one in our office, and it went off, and it scared the teen worker so bad she thought it was a bomb. After explaining what it was, we asked her if she knew what that typewriter that was sitting on the desk was, and she thought that was another fax machine. Well, yeah, I mean, if you've never seen one, if you've never had to use one, if you don't know what it is, then I, I can't be surprised people don't know what something is if they've never, if they didn't know what it was, and they've never seen one and never had to come in contact with one. Um, the fax machine, by the way, I mean, when did Almost Famous come out? Was that 2000? 
Was that somewhere right around there, maybe 2000? In that movie, the guy who's playing Ben Fong Torres, who really was from Rolling Stone, said, we have this new machine. You can transmit paper to me, and it only takes 18 minutes per page or something he had said in that, in that movie, right? And it's because they were kind of new then. And in that movie, it felt like, geez, that was a long time ago because we had already had email by then, and that was so much faster. Um, I remember faxes being a huge part of the industry when I first got in. Uh, labels would fax out, you know, announcements and things like that. And, uh, you know, we would have to fax a lot of things back. And it was a, using the fax machine at my first radio job was a huge part of it. Um, now, I had used plenty of fax machines before I got there. Um, and our copier here in the building sta- uh, can still fax. Uh, I was told, I don't know, it was something about three months ago that once in a blue moon they'll use it for something. I don't know what it would be. Um, but our copier we have here will still act as a fax machine if that's what you want. Um, dial up internet access. They missed that. Well, I don't, again, significant invention. Um, and it has completely changed the world, internet access. You know, now you started with the dial up and hearing the dial tone and that noise and the screeching sound and all of that. Um, that was, for me, we had one computer in the house then. One, it was in like we had a like a uh, spare bedroom type den type thing. And that's where the computer was. And you could hear that thing all the way downstairs in the basement because of how loud it was beyond that. Get off the phone. I want to go on the Internet. Like people forget, like you either could use your phone or you could use the Internet. And I don't mean the phone in your pocket. I mean, the one that was on the wall in the kitchen with the cord. That one, you could either use that or you could use the internet. At least that's how it works for me. Uh, my parents first brought home, some of you a little older may remember this. I think our first I, uh, ISP was Prodigy, if that's even an ISP, internet service provider. I, uh, but I remember we used Prodigy early, and uh, now that makes me sound like Methuselah. <laughs> that just makes me feel really, really old. Uh, Rachel says, this one broke me. Rewinding a video. I asked my oldest to rewind a show on demand, and she looked at me like I had three heads. Yeah, I would imagine what your kid is thinking is, just say, start it over. Hey, can you start this over? Um, rewind and fast forward. Fast forward still kind of, they, they still kind of work while talking about life. Like, ah, I need to rewind back to this, or I need to fast forward a little bit to that. Um, or skip ahead, I guess, is what a, a lot of the younger people would say now. Um, and either one worked for me, you know. Um, there are certain terms that stay terms because they just kind of fit whether it's about the actual device or not. You know, another word like that is radio. Radio is another word. Like if you hear somebody in a song reference listening to something, they still use the word radio because it breaks through versus like, and it sounds a little better than I was streaming and it doesn't like that doesn't sound great. Right. And so radio, I think, is a word that will kind of stand the test of time and has done that because of things like that. Uh, let me see here. Somebody else says, oh my gosh, I was telling a Starbucks barista that I still have my red cup from when you two did a collaboration with them. She answered me who, and we went back and forth trying to explain that you two is a band and, uh, nothing registered for that young person. So I felt very old that day. Well, first, why are we boring the Starbucks barista with your old red cup? Like, why are you doing that? Just grab your latte and keep it moving. Like, why the hell are you doing that to that person? And beyond that, I don't believe this story at all. 
Bono and U2 are kind of, I mean, they're just, I mean, they were literally just, they were the first band to play the Sphere in Vegas. They're not irrelevant. They're not some band who's like on, who can only play festivals on Thursday, you know, in the middle of the day. They're not. They're kind of bigger than that. Um, they're not even my favorite, but they are bigger than that. And so I'm not, I'm not sure people haven't heard. Although I remember when Post Malone did some songs, he did a song with Ozzy and a bunch of young people went all over the internet was like, this is why I love Post Malone as much as I do. He gives old, unnamed, unknown artists a shot to be on his songs. And it's like, oh my God. Oh my God. Now again, are those people being serious or are they trying to make some dude who looks like me? freak out and lose his mind in the middle of the day because he's got nothing else going on. I kind of feel like that may have been a little bit of a trap move. Another significant thing they say Gen Z missed out on, this one I remember pretty strongly, was the hysteria around Y2K. Say, try telling somebody who was practically born with a a supercomputer in their hand that our generation was practicing survival skills from when our our computers would destroy the world at midnight in the year 2000, this was people do kind of forget now the mass hysteria. People uh, brought this back up at the beginning of COVID and some other things. Anytime there's about to be some hysteria, people will reference Y2K. I then was working as a repair person, ironically, for fax machines, copiers, printers, that kind of thing. I worked for a third party vendor. And we were um, commissioned to a company in my hometown of Twinsburg called Allen Bradley. And so I would just kind of sit there and kind of wait for something to break and then I would go fix it. But being part of that department, I had to be in like a thousand meetings about Y2K and what was going to happen. I knew how to replace printer toner and fix like a copy machine. I had no idea what those people were talking about in those meetings. My brain was on fire when they were talking about like coding and all that stuff. It's just, that's not my, that's not my forte. It's just not who I am as a person. But yes, if you were not alive for Y2K, trying to explain to everybody that the smartest people in the world were terrified that the computer couldn't count to another zero that I think people would be a little shocked by that. There is so there are rather so many more of these on this list. We'll continue next on Rock 106.9. Give Stansberry a piece of your mind. Give us the talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app and let him know just how wrong he is. It's just wrong. The Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. Making a couple of credit card payments for you at 9 a.m. this morning. That's when I'm going to rock the bank and pass out that first $1,000 keyword. Now, you don't have to pay off debt. Save it, spend it, do whatever the hell you want with it. It's your money. Win your way into $1,000 at 9 a.m. with me. We've been talking about significant events or maybe situations even that Gen Z missed out on. This is some of the stuff that was kind of, you know, wildly popular uh, you know, maybe product services, um, some hysteria about Y2K we kind of talked about. They kind of missed out on some of that kind of stuff, and we've been running through it. Um, Y2K was part of this for sure, and there was a lot of hysteria on that. Um, and trying to explain that to somebody would be a, 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 a little strange, right? Um, in Living Color, this woman says, I tried to explain that show to my kids, and trying to explain Homie D. Clown uh, was was a little strange, and I would imagine it's like, well, what are you? First of all, why are you trying to explain it? That's where I don't believe this one. Why are you trying to explain it? 
It's on YouTube. Pull it up. Show it to them. Then they go, oh, okay, they either think it's funny or won't. And they'll, you know what I mean? But they'll at least understand what it is you're saying. That's why I don't buy, some of these I don't buy. I think people just wanted to say some stuff to, you know, trash Gen Z. Um, But Living Color did kind of take over. Um, I was like kind of the perfect age for that. High school, I believe. And, uh, And it was what we talked about at the bus stop. And my buddy did become a little obsessed with Homie the Clown and had a sock with something in it. And it like, you know what I mean? It was that caught wildfire for sure and spawned the careers of, well, Jim Carrey. Right? Jim Carrey kind of came from that. Jamie Foxx came from that. Uh, Jennifer Lopez was one of the dancers on there. I know that because Jamie Foxx famously told a story about hitting on her in one of his stand-up specials, right? That was a big moment, Living Color. For entertainment, it absolutely was a big moment. Uh, another, uh, Nick says baby Jessica in the late eighties, an 18 month old fell in a well and the entire country was glued to the television for the next 56 hours. Spoiler alert. He says she's fine right now. I don't remember if she was 18 months old or not at that time, but I will say, I don't know if Gen Z is going to feel like they missed out on this. There's plenty of these types of stories all the way, you know, every single day, every year and all of that, um, But was that a big moment in this country? Yeah. It felt like, you know, this is kind of one of these things that's kind of happened with where entertainment is. And it's not worse or, you know, anything. But, like, we all used to kind of watch the same things. There was, like, this collective viewing that happened. And we all kind of understood. It was part of the fabric of the conversation where it's like, well, I better watch this because this is what everybody's going to be doing. It's a little spread out now. And so, like, one of the most popular shows on a streaming service could be, like, the biggest thing going. And half the people have never seen it. Because there's no one place to be doing that anymore. Um, I was a little young for baby Jessica. Again, that was uh, the late 80s. And, uh, you know, I would have been approaching my, you know, teen years and all of that as as we get there. Um, But I remember my parents being, here's what's strange. I can remember my parents being glued to the television for that. My mom couldn't get enough of that. Um, But I can't, not that this matters, but I can't. Think back about like the size of me, the look of me, like where I would have been in, in the age thing there. I'll have to look up when baby Jessica actually happened. Uh, another woman says, dropping somebody off at the airport. Gen Z missed out on this. You'd be standing by the window to the plane pulled away. And the longer you stayed at the gate and the longer you stood there, the sadder the goodbye would be. Yeah. Um, now, I didn't really drop that many people off at the airport back in the day. A few. Um, but it was. That was kind of one of those moments. And you see it all the time in movies. It's part of, uh, it's baked into the romance conversation of us, right? That, that, oh my God, look, he's running through the gate for her. Oh my God, did he buy a first class ticket he's not going to use because he had sex yesterday? Well, would you look at that? And right, it's, it's kind of baked into the romance. Of us as people. And uh, yeah, they did kind of take that from us. That was a, uh, I believe that was in response to the, to 9-11 is when a lot of the airport stuff started to change pretty dramatically. Um, was, uh, you know, right after that whole situation. So yeah, um, I think a lot of people these days, especially since we're very much in the me, me, me movement, I think people would be like, do you want me to park the car, get out and walk in with you? Dude, you're lucky I'm stopping the car. Open the door and barrel roll your ass out of there and get in there. What? No, dude, fall out of the car. I got a TikTok at you, loser. <laughs> right? And like that kind of feels like what's kind of happening there. I'm not sure people would want to go back to that. 
Um, but watching somebody leave was obviously that's a sad moment, right? At least you know a little bit sad there. And yeah, okay, I could uh, I could understand why people are reminiscent of that. I'm not sure you would actually want it if it came back. Of course, blockbuster gets brought up in this, right? The idea of renting a movie on Friday night and then rewinding the tapes on Sunday. Candy had said that, that that was uh, something that they missed out on. Again, I, th- this is where I'm going to get hung up in this whole subject, is that I was expecting more of these to be things that maybe Gen Z would be like, oh, damn, I wish we could have experienced that. I'm not sure. I was, I was being a little uh, rose-colored glasses about Blockbuster last, I think it was Friday on the show, about video stores and all of that. And people were like, dude, do you remember how annoying it was to go there and to not have what you wanted on the shelf? And then you had to go to another store. You did this. He's like, I think people forget how annoying that was. And I said, look, I never walked out of like a Blockbuster or Hollywood video or any of those places without the movie I wanted and went, Right, and it was excited about it. That would never happen. And so I agree with you, but I think not getting what you want the very moment you want it is exactly what the doctor ordered. Like that's we could use another version of that in a big way, I believe. Now I'm a pessimist, and so I look at the world and go, everybody's ruining everything, right? So like that's maybe why I feel like that. Maybe that's what it is. But not getting what you want every minute of the day, having to wait a little bit, wait your turn, a little bit more patience, a little like, oh, we should have left earlier, I think would be good for people to remind themselves like, oh, this whole damn thing is not revolving around me. It just feels like it is. Keeping with the movies there, another woman said, you know, one of the things Gen Z missed out on, and I don't think they're going to view this as missing out, is when Netflix used to send videos to your mailbox. They would send DVDs in the mail. And uh, this woman says she was at work trying to explain that to somebody that Netflix used to be a mail business, not an online business. Um, And I remember when everybody laughed at Netflix and the next thing I know, I was going out to my my mailbox and there were six movies in there. Watch them when you want. Return them when you want. And then, by the way, Blockbuster should have seen the writing on the wall right there. Like, they should have seen it. This is what I've said about the taxi business. You had every damn thing. You had the cars, you had the driver, you had the customers. What you didn't have was the request device for me to get the car. You had everything. But it's either adapt or die. Because what happens is you just end up resting on your laurels. Because you're successful and you're making a lot of money. And you think nobody's ever going to create a better version of this. But they will. They might. Now, we've seen this with Airbnb and hotels, although more and more Gen Z walking away from it because they feel like Airbnb is a scam, and it is. And so, like, and, and people are realizing now that hotels were are a thing for a reason. It's because they do it well. And, and so I think you're starting to see some, you know, turn around from that. I don't think people are going all the way back to using, you know, taxis, especially in towns this size. I think New York, San Francisco, L.A., Vegas, and, you know, places like that, New Orleans. Yeah, maybe. I don't think people are ever going to go back to that here. Um, but that's it, it's a similar thing where it's like you had everything. It's why I have been critical of my company. But the one thing they did is they didn't wait for anybody to, to do it better than them. When they saw everybody get addicted to the cell phone, this is the smartest thing we ever did. We saw everybody get addicted to the cell phone. And I don't know who it was in this company, but somebody raised their hand and said, then put the damn radio in their phone. And we did. And we rolled out iHeartRadio. And it has been a smashing success, smashing success. That thing is massive. 
We have, I don't even know what the number is, and I don't want to misquote it since it is my company. But we, millions of users. Other radio companies will be like, hey, can we pay you to put our stations on that? Like, that's how popular iHeartRadio is. It's massive. Adapt or die. This company understood. Look, we have all of this right now, but who are we going to be in the future? Somebody was forward thinking. That's why I criticize as I might, I've said. There are plenty of radio companies out there. Notice, I keep my happy ass with this one. <laughs> you know why? Because business is war, baby, and we got the guns. <laughs> and so I'm going to stay right here. Right here. All right. This one, I don't think people missed out on at all. This always seemed crazy, and you used to kind of laugh at your friends that did it. But a dating coach says, I sometimes explain to singles that classified ads were in the newspaper, and you would find somebody to go out with purely by print. There was no pictures, no extensive profiles, no algorithm to tell you, we have the lovemaker algorithm. You're going to find your match. We have the app that's designed to be deleted. No, they don't. No, they absolutely don't, right? And so, like, there was none of that. There was none of that. You took a gamble. You wrote a couple of sentences. You put it in a newspaper, and the next thing you know, you got murdered and put in the trunk of somebody's car. Don't blame the station. We expected you to cancel him by now. Well, my horoscope said that I shouldn't assume responsibility for anybody but myself. The Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. I'll have new Bring the Horizon, Bring Me the Horizon for you. 9 a.m. for New Church Tuesday. Their song's called Kool-Aid. All right. We will take a listen to that. Figure out if that's any good. I also have uh, new stuff from 24K Golden. And also Jesse Murph featuring Jelly Roll. We'll get you that, too. I did look this up during the break that uh, Baby Jessica was in the well in 1987. Uh, Let me see here, which would have been 11 years old for me, I believe, in 1987. Uh, we were talking about that because there was this list of things that, uh, significant things that Gen Z missed. Now, I thought this was going to be a list of stuff that they would have felt like, oh, damn, I'm kind of sad we missed out on that. You know, but a lot of it was, um, you know, the craziness over Y2K. Um, and people forget now how maddening that was. I mean, we were running out of bottled water, the price gouging that was going on there and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, it was a wild time for anybody who was not with us when that happened. Um, it was kind of crazy. For anybody that doesn't know because you weren't old enough, the problem with Y2K came down to the date in computers. They were set a, a, essentially to go from like, you know, zero, I believe it was, to 1999. They were worried that flipping the calendar over in the computer was going to make them all stop working. I'm sure there's a more detailed explanation than that but you know we'll give you the bedrock of it and the world's smartest minds literally thought that we could go black the next day um and that it everything could just be destroyed right it turned out that's not what happened and everything uh was mostly fine and we have not only did we not walk away from the computers then we only went further into them and maybe because the fear of Y2K didn't pan out, right? Maybe people are like, ah, these things are nothing to be afraid of. You know, I mean, that could be it. That could absolutely be it. You guys had some of your own answers here. Like Kelly said, riding your bike around all day without worry of being abducted. 
Well, again, um, I did worry about being abducted when I was a kid riding my bike around all day. And it's because a couple of kids in my neighborhood had been. And I had also been molested by a neighbor before we moved into that neighborhood. So I was just terrified of everybody. Um, and I didn't, I, I didn't trust adults. I didn't do that. And we didn't have the fear of being abducted maybe as much because we didn't have the knowledge. Like you didn't hear every story that happened in Kansas City, New Orleans, and Tampa then. A story would go national, yes, but not them all. You know what I mean? Now the bad news machine is your cell phone, which is with you all day. And so you're just, re- oh, my God, this person just had their throat slit. Oh, my God, they abducted six girls here. Oh, my God, this person. And so it's, I think, I don't think anything's new when you start talking about criminality, right? I think what things are is more exposed. But you're not wrong. There, there was the sense of I'm safe here. Um, even after that, it happened to me. And my parents knew the danger. I was still, once we moved, I was still allowed to ride my bike a little bit more freely than, you know, now that I think about it, I can't believe I'm just now thinking about it. It's like, that seems a little nuts, you know? Um, I think that worry has always been there. It has become heightened because of how much we focus on negativity because of the cell phone. That cannot be debated. That you are right about, that there was a little bit of, uh, of that going on. Greg says the Oklahoma City bombing. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of those. Um, this list I had here didn't really get into a whole lot of the destruction. Like I said, Y2K was about the worst thing um, that they got into. Baby Jessica was another one. Um, you know, uh, most of these was uh, were, sorry, about, you know, pop culture type things. Although Kathleen on this list said, I had to explain what a milkman was to my kids. My grandfather actually had been a milkman. They couldn't wrap their heads around the whole concept. Uh, they thought I was making it up, you know, and uh, yeah, you don't hear people say, oh, that's the milkman's baby anymore. You don't hear that anymore. That used to be the common way to say that a woman was a whore. Um, and now we don't we don't say that at all because we don't have milkmen. Although grocery deliveries full on back, you know, Postmates and all of that kind of stuff. And I think a lot of the big box retailers in some major cities are starting to move into, you know, more and more of that. So I don't think it's necessarily all that crazy. I remember when I was a kid. Grocery delivery wasn't really part of my life. And I went on a, not a vacation, but my, my, my friend across the street, his family had some, I don't know, cabin in Pennsylvania on a lake and they had a boat and all this stuff. And so I went with them. And I remember like they still could get grocery delivery where they were. And I remember like the kid came walking up with the bags and I was like, wait, you'll bring it to us? And like, it was like the, mo- it was like the craziest thing I had ever seen as a kid. And I just didn't, I didn't know about that. Um, I think that's only going to become more and more popular uh, these days. Um, and, uh, you know, again, in major cities, Postmates and, play, and and things like that are huge, right? People kind of sell you on the fact that they don't have the time to be doing stuff. Like, all right, I saw this guy. I don't know his name, and you'll have to forgive me. But he's one of these alpha male influencers, like one of these life skill influencers. He's got red hair and he's always telling men that if you don't cheat on your wife 300 times, you're not doing her any favors because high achieving men don't deny themselves what they want. I can't think of any worse message, but you know, whatever. But he's out there and he's all telling, you know, he's always like, you know, alpha male in it, life skill in it. And one of his most famous videos is him. Uh, he, his dad tells him, why don't you just cook food? And he says, how stupid is it to cook? What only losers cook their own food? Hey, you have food. I gotta leave my apartment. I gotta go downstairs. I gotta get in my G wagon, Mercedes, and I, you know I gotta drive to the store. I gotta pick up all the things. I gotta come back. I gotta cook it. He's like, it's a waste of time and it's a waste of money. 
It's just faster if I order it here. And I thought to myself, oh my God, dude, that's how ridiculous influencing has become. A life skill influencer is trashing on a life skill. Hilarious. By now, you're asking yourself, is he trying to be wrong? Hey, you incinerating that I'm dumb. The Stansberry Show. 9 a.m. this morning, New Tour Tuesday. We'll get that kicked off with 24K Golden. Also, going to pass out that first Rock the Bank keyword at 9 a.m. as well. Your first shot at $1,000 this morning. I have been in the building now for about, I don't know, somewhere about three, three and a half hours. So it's been a little while since I was on the road, as uh, that's what I wanted to remind everybody of, is that I woke up to a pretty snowy driveway and snowy street like an idiot when I went home yesterday. I didn't put my car in the garage. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. And then I'm like, "Eh, I may go to the store later. Let me just leave it in the driveway. That way I don't have to keep going in and out of the garage or whatever. And then I didn't end up going anywhere else. And so I went to bed and I didn't even think of it. I woke up this morning. I walked out to, you know, to go to the garage. And I was like, oh, damn it. That's right. I left my car outside. Sure enough, inches of snow on it. Um, and my street was abysmal with that rain, snow mix thing. And there I was basically sideways. I went to go stop the car at the stop sign at the end of my street and almost then went into the major, you know, the major road that I live off of there. That was a little, a little terrifying. I ended up not taking the freeway. Because uh, I was like, well, I just don't know what that's going to be like. I'll just stick on these side roads and, and continue to go on. Um, I know every year people kind of you know, forget how to drive in the snow and all of that. I found those roads this morning to be really slick and slippery. Now, the closer, this is always true, the closer I got here to the building, uh, and, and, you know, more towards the North Canton side of things where it's like, oh, look, where the people donate to, you know, political campaigns. Look, your roads are clean, right? Like there was a little bit more of that and uh, the roads got better here. Now, again, I've been in the building for a few hours. Um, the road crews probably have had more time to get out there and clean the streets up and all of that. By the way, shout out to those men and women. Stay safe out there. I know like you're, you're one of those uh, jobs people kind of take for granted. They're happy when the roads are clear, but when you're in front of them, they hate you for it and all of that. So, you know, just give yourself a couple of extra minutes there uh, as I did find those roads to be a little uh, slushy and slippery this morning. Did not love driving into work this morning. We had been talking about. Uh, some of the things that Gen Z missed out on. Now, some of these were life events. Some of them were like, hey, going to Blockbuster on Friday night and, uh, you know, a few others there as well. Y2K, the hysteria over there. The one that really took me aback was the personal ads. Like back in the day, people would find a roommate and or a uh, life partner by putting an ad in a newspaper, which that sounds crazy to Gen Z, I'm sure, as even reading a newspaper uh, I'm sure is crazy, but yeah, people would put a personal ad. So and so, 22 years old, looking for love in all the wrong places. Have you been? And like you know, and then next thing you know, you got the pina colada song going on, and uh, and you know that was like a big thing. I had, I've ne- I never placed an ad in a newspaper to find a date like that. That that I I had never done that. I had seen it. I had read plenty of those, um, and again, the newspaper is still a little bit more popular when I first started my radio career. It's how long I've been doing this. Thank the dear Lord. Thank you again. That's really who I should be thanking is you. And um, <clears throat> and so they were fodder for entertainment, and we would use them for a lot like that. Then here comes Craigslist with the misconnections. Remember that? 
where you would go to like the misconnection section and somebody would be like, we were in the grocery store yesterday and we caught eyes like the movies, but I was too afraid to say anything to you. So I came here hoping that you would be reading this thing because you're desperate and lonely and sick of masturbating like me. Right. And then you would kind of like get the misconnection thing going there. Um, I have definitely used a dating app. Uh, to find some companionship, I have uh, I've said this, and and this is just a me thing. Um, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, it feels a little too transactional for how I want my life to be. Um, but I don't have this part of my life like in a in in slam dunk form. Like I don't, and so maybe I should get over myself there a little bit, and maybe I should be more open to that. But it's just it, it's not my way of going about that. Um, it may not always sound like it, um, but I'm a little bit more, when I'm being honest with myself and you, I am a little bit more of a hopeless romantic than that. Not a ton. Like, I'm not like Raj Kuthrapali or anything, you know, for you Big Bang Theory fans. I'm not that guy. But, like, I, I do kind of hold out for, like, the good story um, and, uh, you know, how we meet and all of that. And uh, not that it matters, but it does kind of to me. Um, so like the newspaper ad thing would have never been my thing. Um, as a matter of fact, most of the time when I've used the dating apps is only when I'm out of town. Um, like if, if when I'm single, if I go to Vegas, it's like, cause dude, let me just tell you, Vegas Tinder goes crazy. <laughs> like, dude, like Vegas Tinder is nuts, bro. And like, that is a good time. Now it's highly competitive. And so I had to swipe a lot, man, because a lot of dudes out there got money and all of that stuff. And I was like, I don't have any of that and all that. So, like, it was a lot of swiping before we found something. But that was uh, Vegas Tinder goes crazy, man. Like, that was. Uh, and so I found that to be more of what I will use while I'm on vacation away from my hometown and things like that. I'm not necessarily a big fan of using those types of things in my home market. James wrote in and he goes, you know what Gen Z missed out on? Columbia House. Yeah, this will sound crazy to people. Uh, Columbia House used to offer you up, I think it was 12 cassettes for a penny, and you were like joining a club. And I don't know a single person that ever had to pay for any of those. Everybody I know was like, yeah, man, they sent me all those tapes and I never paid a dime. And I never paid a dime. I did that like three times. I remember I got White Snake's 1987 self-titled like that. I remember ripping it over. I was like, dude, still the night kicks ass, man. Like, I remember getting that for that. And that was big for uh, for a kid like me. You know, um, by 87, my parents had given up the ghost and be like, dude, let him listen to whatever he wants. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's 11 years old. There's no, this is a losing battle. He's got pentagrams on his math book for crying out loud. It's over, right? He, Motley Crue has him now. It's over. I just just wave to Gene Simmons and Vince Neal as they <laughs> drag him off into a life of obscurity and sadness. Just, you know, let it happen. And so they were kind of out of it by then. But, you know, when I was growing up, my father, the minister, was kind of hard to sneak albums, you know, by the goalie and the like. And so my brother was very big into Columbia House, having them delivered to a friend's house. And the next thing you know, you go over there and pick them up and that kind of thing. Um, again, as we were talking about significant things that they missed out on, I don't think Gen Z is going to feel like they missed out on that. It's going to be hard to get somebody who has lived in a very convenient world to get them to see that inconvenience could actually make you happier. You're never going to be able to sell them on it, right? That'd be a tough sell because, well, like I'll just go to iHeartRadio. Any song I put in, I just I, I put it in there and I can listen to it. And as a music head, I can't lie. I kind of like it. I don't think they sound as good. 
as albums or CDs do and all of that, but most people don't care about Lossless and all of it. They don't. To most people, it sounds pretty much the same. And they, you know, and by the way, we've been listening to so much stuff digitally. I'm not even sure we recognize it anymore, myself included, right? It's kind of one of those things. I don't think you're going to get people, uh, you know, on the, I, I, people who were there for that will go, Oh man, that was kind of great. Having to get something in the moment was kind of great. Being let down occasionally is kind of good for the human person, right? And, uh, and I agree with all that, but good luck telling a 17-year-old. You know, they pay 99 cents a month to Apple or whoever it is. You got every song you've ever thought about in your whole damn life. You can probably create your own stuff now, and AI can write you new songs and this and that. So I don't think you're going to get anybody, you know, in that age range to be reminiscent about it. Are people my age and maybe a few years younger than me like, do we had it good there for a minute? We had it good. Yes, of course. You can take a country song by Miranda Lambert. It's called Automatic. And that's what the whole song's about. You know, she says, you know, when we used to travel, we waited in line to pay for gas. She learned how to drive that truck. Just like a queen, three on the tree. Come on, man. Let's take a picture. The one you gotta shake. Right? It's like you can get people who were there for that reminiscent of it. I don't think a 16-year-old's gonna be like, yeah, take me back there where nothing is in my hand when I want it. He was the most hated man in America. And then Kanye came along. Ah, oh, thanks a lot, Kanye. The Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the program where you're going to rock the bank at 9 a.m. You're going to score a 1000 bucks. We'll also start New Tour Tuesday as well. New Bring Me the Horizon part of that. Their song's called Kool-Aid. We'll get to it. We have been talking about significant things that the younger generation is missing out on or has missed out on. And I don't think all of these are they going to find like, well, dude, I'm glad I didn't have to. I I think a lot of these, they would be like, well, I'm glad I'm not inconvenienced. I'm glad I don't have to go to a store and wait in line and do all of that. Right. I think it's better for the human being overall if you're forced to wait. Little patience using that's a skill. Right. And all of that. And uh, and I think, you know, losing that skill is creating some problems out there. Uh, But we ran you through some of these. um, the Y2K panic, and everybody was in a panic about that. Uh, explaining to a younger person what a milkman was. Now, that's, that predates me as well. Like, I didn't have milkmen. Um, I was related to one. I think my mom, one of my mom's brothers did that as a job for a little while, um, but long before I was born. Um, but now we kind of talked about how grocery delivery is coming full circle, not just milk. I mean, you know, with Postmates and all those kinds of things, people are, you know, having all of their groceries delivered, you know. Uh, dial up internet access. Now, again, I don't think anybody in a younger generation is going to feel like they miss that. So it used to take you 20 minutes just to go online. I can look at the entire front page of Reddit front page. I can look at the entire section, my, my entire section of Reddit in 20 minutes. I can be done doing what I want to do on the internet before you got on it. And I'm supposed to be feeling like I missed out on that. That's how they're going to see it. You know, it's one of those things They're, you know, they're kind of growing up, coming up now. And a lot of their stuff's going to change. And in 15 years, they're going to be like, I don't understand all this new stuff, all this new progressive stuff. Oh my God, we're letting people turn into dogs now. And like, and then they're going to sound like us. And that's like, that's exactly how that's going to go. It's what happened to my parents. It's what happened to their parents. It's literally how the world spins and keeps going. Right. And we were kind of talking about that. Columbia house came up, right? Cause we used to, you know, tape pennies to a, to a magazine page and you would like send it back and they would send you all these albums that you wanted. And uh, nobody I know has ever paid for one of those. Serene actually found me on the text line, 330-450-7625, and said, 
You know, I feel like all the debt collectors I have in my life now are karma over Columbia House. <laughs> it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe they're just a little bit. And uh, it would be funny to find out that's what Columbia House did was just turn themselves into a, a, a debt collector. But uh, I feel like everybody I know got over on them. Um, now, again, back then, labels were selling enough albums to maybe it was like loss prevention, right? They were probably selling enough albums not to have to be worried about it. But uh, that was kind of one of those things we started talking about. How, yeah, I don't think, now look, we've seen a resurgence in physical media, right? Vinyl sales are up, CD sales are up. Um, uh, certain artists, I think, are driving that. I think the Taylor album, uh, you know, did a lot of, it did some big numbers on vinyl. Um, I, I think it was one of the last John Mayer records did huge numbers on vinyl. And there's some artists where that, that's kind of a thing. I'm a vinyl guy. I would tell you, though, um, for most people, I think CDs is probably the best physical media. A um, little smaller, compact there, right? And, uh, you know, you could then burn your own CDs, make mixes. Album listening is tough for a lot of people, man, because it's like you put that needle in it, you're listening to it. You can move it around, change songs, yes and that, but by the time, you don't want to do it. So you're putting it on and you're listening to it. And if you were to tell most kids today, hey, we're going to put this album on and you're going to listen to the songs you don't like, people would... They'd look at you like, why? I'm wasting my time. Where consuming the record was what you were doing. Music has kind of been moved into this place, right? Where it's now along for the ride with you. I don't just mean in the car. I mean, whatever it is you're doing, it accompanies you. Working out, cleaning the house. And that was always a little bit true. Yes, that was always true. But what was also true is you would light some incense, you'd lower the lights in the living room, you'd lay on the couch quietly, eyes closed, and listen to a record, cover to cover. People did that. I still do it. I, it it's, it's one of those things. I find that if I listen to a record cover to cover, that the songs I think I don't like, I'm like, oh, God, I actually like that a great deal. Or, oh, it's not as bad as I thought. Or, you know, beyond that, it's a little like, maybe I don't need everything I want the moment I want it. That maybe the anticipation of, I got to get through these next two songs, but then I get the one I love. It builds. I like that experience, but I also grew up with it. Now, albums were kind of done before I got there. I got into it because my, my brother still had a bunch. My cousin across the street, my cousin Doug is really where I got my love of music. Um, he's the one that gave, he's the one that opened the door to everything. My cousin Doug, huge fan of, I mean, he literally gave me everything. I learned it all from him. Um, so I, you know, I inherited a lot of records and this and that, and then tapes with the fast forward and the rewind there. And then, and then when CDs came out, I was like this, is the jam being able to, be able to skip ahead and now mp3s or streaming songs or whatever it's just the newest version of that you know uh i think it was tracy found me on the text line too again 3304507625 and she says man i'm surprised a music head like you is this negative about being able to stream everything whenever you want yeah i got to admit here that some of this is jealousy you know, um, growing up without the internet, what you owned defined who you were. 
and you were a tastemaker if you were early on a record. You were defined by the magazines and books you read, which, by the way, a study I read the other day, yesterday, told me that just 54% of people in this country read a book last year. That's too low. That's too low. I'm not yelling at anybody. I need to read more books, too. Currently in the middle of reading David Lee, uh, a biography about David Lee Roth. Um, <clears throat> but I knew need to be reading more books, too. But you were defined by the magazine subscriptions you had. You were defined by the books you read and the albums you listened to. And then later on, yes, more and more the television shows you watched. Right? Um, and a lot of people were critical of the TV early on. Like, this is going to rot everybody's brain. Nobody's going to have any sort of creativity, your imagination is going to go. And I don't know if television did it, but I feel like the internet is doing that. You know, um, being able to use your imagination, like this is what, what everybody has to remember. Everything you've ever sat down and watched and you thought to yourself, oh my God, is that cool? Dude, look at that. That came from somebody's imagination. They're important. And I'm not sure we're stroking imagination as much as we're stroking other things because we can get on the internet every last minute, right? And I think there's, so so some of it is jealousy um, that we didn't have it when I was a kid. Some of it is the, there's no barrier to cool now. Like you couldn't lie about whether or not you had a record when they were on the shelf in your room. If somebody came over and said, Hey man, you ever heard of this? Yeah, man, I got it. It's right there. It's like, no, you don't. It's nowhere in here. Now you can be like, oh, yeah, I know that. And then just pull it up real quick, listen to it, make sure you, you, know, you get the crib notes for the test. And then you know, now all of a sudden you can look cool. When you used to go out on dates, you'd go back to somebody's house, your house or her house, right? Um, I'm going to excuse myself for a second. And I'm going to go freshen up just a little bit, right? And uh, she would go, and then you would be stuck in, in the living room with nothing to do. And like, oh, I don't know, let me just look around. And you would check the bookshelf, and you would check the records and the CDs, and they're like, like oh, damn, dude, she likes Exile on Main Street. She's cool. You know what I mean? Like, there was part of that. It was conversation starters as well with people. And I kind of miss that. Um, I also feel like, dude, they, they got a cheat code. You know, I grew up listening to music mostly in my headphones in my bedroom. CD books and CDs spread all the way around my room. You could barely see uh, me. And I had a, I literally had a, a CD player just like that was meant for like a full-blown like stereo system, not like one of those to go, just sat on the floor with headphones plugged into the back of it. And a mag light, and every night I would just be like the mag light on in my room, light off, listening to every record over and over and over again, and then looking for that next CD to listen to. If you would have walked into my bedroom in 1990, let's say, and say to me, every song you've ever heard is right here, and homie, what you're going to like more than that, because you have all the songs right here. You're that kid. You're the kid that needs every album. So you don't care about the collection of songs all in one place. Your bedroom is that place. But Dan, it's backlit, homie. You can see it in the night. You would have blown my mind. You know how many D batteries I went through in a mag light? Back to the Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. Rock the bank with me at 9 a.m. Grab that first $1,000 keyword of the day. Now, those don't stop with me. Teresa's got more than a few on her hands, and we'll continue after 3 o'clock as well. She can get the first with me every morning at 9 a.m. 
you know, we were talking about some stuff that has uh, gone by the wayside that maybe some of this younger generation is missing out on. Vinyl always comes up because people know I'm a fan and I'm a collector and the like. Uh, you know, people ask me all the time, where do you get your vinyl here in Kansas? You know where I get a large portion of it is Quonset. They have a great vinyl section there. Um, and uh, I'm a pretty regular shopper there for some other things as well. So it's like one-stop shop. It's like, hey, wraps and vinyl. Perfect, right? That's I got Sansbury written all over it. So I pick up a lot of my vinyl there. Um, and as we were talking about that, I said, I don't know if you'll see, you know, there's been a resurgence in it. I'm not sure it's going to go back to being the way people like consume their music, even at home. I think CDs would be more convenient for a lot of people. Um, and then, you know, a bunch of you started sending me pictures of, you know, your vinyl collection and your stereos. And I'm hearing a lot of people saying, you know, do my grandkids are actually big into it. Um, and you know, some other younger people are like, I don't know what you're talking about, Dan. I'm only 19 and I love records. And so it's like, you know, there's a, you know, it, it all depends on the person. Um, they are, I remember this, oh God, this will age me here as although I'm not the proper age for this, but the Brady Bunch. I remember there was an episode of that where Greg had his, had his driver's license and, uh, and the younger brothers and, uh, he took him shopping to the mall and Greg bought a record and he was taking like the film off of it and just like checking it out, reading it as he was driving back and they got into an accident. Right. And it was all the thing. And it was like, wow, you know, moving to eight tracks for the car and cassettes and all of that and all, all the mediums. I worked once upon a time with this brilliant woman uh, in the radio business, and Sophie was brilliant. Um, she had a programming and a sales background. She's one of my favorite people I've ever worked with in, in, in the industry. She had all the bona fides ever, and she could not have been a nicer person. And she had a theory back in the day, to get a little too sidetracked here, that music packaging follows drug trends. And we were in the smoking lounge at the buzzard where this conversation was going down. And I was like, tell me more. And I don't know if this was her theory. Maybe she heard it somewhere else in movies. Maybe somebody told her. And so like, I, I hope I'm not you know, being guilty of you know, stealing somebody else's stuff here, telling you a story. But uh, she said that when albums, you know, the big 12-inch record there, big cover. Perfect for breaking up marijuana, moving the seeds off to the side, and rolling joints on the cover of a record. Tapes and CDs, a little smaller. You got the the hard plastic on top of it. Perfect for breaking up those lines and snorting the cocaine, man. And I, when she said it to me, I was like, whoa. <laughs> and because at first you think that's got to be a coincidence. And then you start thinking, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not, right? Drugs and music. Go hand in hand, for sure they do. Melissa says, Sansbury, you know what I think people are missing out on? Do you remember calling time and temperature? Yeah, I remember it being a thing. It wasn't really my, I, I was young enough to where I didn't really need to know what time it was for all of that or what the temperature was. Um, but I remember movie times. I remember calling to get the movie uh, times. As a matter of fact, if you watch old Seinfeld episodes now, there's like four episodes, obviously the one famously where Kramer kind of takes over like the movie phone guy. He takes over that job. Hilarious. Um, but there's other times in that show. He's like, oh, Jerry's like, all right, let me call and see what time it's playing. And like that, I do remember. I remember my friends and all of that. Somebody call. Somebody find out. We're going to Soul and Regal Cinemas. Find out. Right. And it was like one of those things. Yeah, I do kind of remember that. A lot of you brought this up. And I do think Gen Z may be missing out on this. Some of these, I don't think they missed out on the Oklahoma City bombing. I don't think people necessarily want to live through things like that. But, you know, some of that kind of stuff was on the list, some other historical stuff. But the roller rink 
was a huge, huge comment from you guys that you seem to think the roller rink is where people are really kind of missing out on that. Yeah, it's kind of like an innocence building. You know, you're almost at that right age where it's like we can maybe be doing some things we shouldn't, but we're still a little too innocent maybe to be doing it. Um, you know, I, roller rinks weren't really big in my late teen years, but my early teen years, it kind of becomes one of those things as you get a little older, seven, 17, what am I a baby? What am I going to go to Chagrin Valley Roller Rink? What am I a baby? Right when you're 17, you're just too cool for everything. Um, but yes, do I have great memories? I mean, I remember the name of the roller rink for crying out loud. Um, I remember kissing Wendy after couple skate. I remember that. You know what I mean? I remember, you know, the nachos hit different after couple skate, you know, <laughs> like that was kind of fun. Uh, the roller rink does feel like it is. I've said this before. It feels ripe for a resurgence. Um, now COVID wouldn't have been it cause you were trying to stay away from everybody, but that collective thing that we're all there on a Friday night and you're going through this life together and you're kind of, we're all reaching these milestones. Like I said, kissing Wendy at the roller, right. And that, that whole thing. And like, you kind of, it's, I am surprised we haven't seen a little resurgence of that. I honestly thought this is going back years now, but I thought TI was going to reignite that. T.I., a rapper from Atlanta, and he had brought out a movie called ATL. And in it, the whole thing's about the roller rink. This does seem to be, and I don't (laughs) want to get myself in trouble here, but it does seem to be um, a little bit more of an African-American thing as far as like culture and staying in this skating and doing it and having routines that you do when you're skating six deep and all of that. I When I saw that movie, I was like, oh, dude, nostalgia is always big. And like your roller rink's not going to look like that one there. And I believe it is a famous roller rink in Atlanta. And like you'll have, and again, when I was interviewing for a job there, it was a big thing. Adults talked about it. It was a big thing down there. It, so it may be a Southern thing. Maybe I'm making that wrong there. Um, but yes, roller rinks felt like it was like one of the first places, at least in my life, your parents dropped you off and you were in there. And the only adults were like the guy who gave you the shoes. The person behind the counter giving you the nachos was, was probably a 19-year-old and, you know, and, and the guy who owned the rink. Outside of that, everybody else's mom was like, pick you up at 7, right, or whatever the hell it was, and you just skated until your little heart was content. I am a little surprised that we haven't seen that ever. At least I haven't. If I missed it, maybe I missed it. But I am a little surprised we haven't seen that come back as, like, the thing kids are doing. Um, John actually telling me here, I'm, ju- I'm just seeing this. I apologize. Roller rinks are getting popular again. My daughters love going and even went to Springfield roller rink for new years and they were there when the ball dropped. Okay. So again, look at that. Now if I'm willing to bet if I had children, John's age, I may have known that I do not have children that age. Right. Um, and so I, I, I did not know that that makes me kind of happy though, because it's all right. There's, I'll tell you why. There's a country artist, and I'm wait. I got I got to find his stuff. I haven't been able to find it as a download to be able to play it for you for New Tour Tuesday. But there's a new artist I love. His name is Stephen Wilson Jr., and he is the real deal, baby. And I mean the real deal. This is the Eric Church you haven't heard of yet. That's who he is. And like three different songs on that album, he kind of talks about going to the roller rink when he was a kid. One of the songs is all about 1994. It's the, the whole song's about it. And he uh, and he starts talking about and it just it takes you back to that place. It takes you back to that Friday night when you were there. 
And that's kind of what music and movies and that's what pop culture is supposed to do. And it's done that. And I, and it makes me, I guess, sad's probably too far, but it makes me like, ah, do a little bummed out for kids who won't have that. You know what I mean? What are your songs going to be about? We were all standing in a circle staring at our cell phones. <laughs> like that doesn't sound as good. Like it just, it just doesn't sound as good. Rock the bank with me and grab your $1,000 keyword. I'll get it passed out next on Rock 1069. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.